June 19th or Juneteenth marks the true end of slavery in the U.S. Here's Joe Biden in a speech yesterday. By making Juneteenth a federal holiday, all Americans can feel the power of this day and learn from our history and celebrate progress and grapple with the distance we've come, but the distance we have to travel. This Saturday, a beach community in Southern California will mark its own June 19th milestone. Nearly a century ago, local officials pushed off a black family from their land. Now, as we mark an important holiday that celebrates the emancipation of slaves in this country, the fight for the Bruces to get their beach back is taking huge steps forward. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today's June 18th, 2021. The Supreme Court upholds Obamacare, but sides with a Catholic adoption agency that was sued for refusing to work with LGBTQ couples. California loosens mask rules for vaccinated employees. And fast food giant El Pollo Loco is going to test drone delivery. Maybe they should instead spend the money on making better churros. Today, we speak with LA Times environmental reporter Rosanna Shaw on her work to amplify the story of Bruce's Beach to the world. Now, in what could be a landmark in this nation's efforts to correct past injustices to African Americans, the County of Los Angeles wants to give Bruce's Beach back to the family that once owned it. Here's Los Angeles County Supervisor Janice Hahn. As far as I know, this is the first time that a governmental agency has given back a piece of property that was taken from an African-American family. Um, That's what I'm hearing anyway. Um, And people are looking at this as an example of what can happen um, when, you know, people really want to do the right thing. And when you talk about restitutions or reparations, um, this is clearly going to be, I think, an example of how you can do it. We'll talk more about that process later. Now, one year into this latest push to rectify the wrong that was a takeover of Bruce's Beach, here's a story of the historians, family members, and grassroots organizers who championed this cause until it can no longer be ignored. Here's our senior producer, Denise Guerra. There's miles of coastline here. The waves scatter and hit different parts of the shore with its own unique force, churning sand, debris, and elements from times past. And as I write this piece, my hand chokes pen angrily and the red ink from it bleeds, reminding me of the 1920s, Bruce's Beach and Black Wall Street, reminding me of decade after decade of your people consistently stealing from me. Kavon Ward recites a poem about this place. This area of the city of Manhattan Beach is known as Bruce's Beach. We're here in front of a lifeguard training center that over a century ago was one of the few places for Black families to enjoy the beach. It was run by Willa and Charles Bruce. That was until they were forced out by racism in eminent domain in the 1920s. Today, less than 1% of the city is Black. A quick look at Zillow shows oceanfront homes listed from $6 million all the way up to $20 million. One can only imagine how much the Bruce property would be worth today. It is not okay for all of these beautiful homes to be built up around this park next to the ocean and to know that black people once owned this land and now there are nearly no black people in Manhattan Beach. Kavon is from Harlem in New York City. She moved to an apartment in Manhattan Beach four years ago, 
a tiny beach town southwest of Los Angeles. Kavon found herself navigating a community that was as tight-knit as the beach homes that now crowd the shoreline, a place where many had forgotten or never knew what happened to its Black community. That would unravel in 2020, like in so many corners of America, with the murder of George Floyd. So after the, the murder of George Floyd, a couple of uh, women and I within the South Bay got together and we started a, a group. It was called Anti-Racist Moms and then Movements Around the South Bay. Um, and some one of the women in that group decided to send me a blog post uh, and it made mention of what happened to the Bruces. Um, and so we decided to hold a picnic on Juneteenth of 2020 last year to just recognize what had happened to the Bruce's, shed light on what had happened, illuminate it, and then also educate the community about what had happened because clearly a lot of people had no idea. The day of the picnic, it was amazing. It was a social distance picnic, of course, because we were right in the, the height of, uh, of the pandemic. Um, and so we had maybe about 50 or 60 people show up throughout the, the day. It was just this energy of just community, right? Like there were more black people in Manhattan Beach that I had ever seen since I moved here four years ago, you know? We even had some of the Bruce's show up to the event. Patricia and Vivian Bruce are cousins. Also, along with Chief Dwayne Shepard, trying to figure out uh, the full history of his family. Um, and, and I told him that I was gonna use my voice and my experience as a, a lobbyist and an advocate to help provide them with attorneys or legal advice. But here we are, a movement was built. But a relic still remains from an earlier effort, more than a decade ago, of a generation before Kavon Ward. After this break, we talk about a large commemorative plaque overlooking the area once celebrated as Bruce's Beach and how this piece of history jump-started Kavan's movement. According to Anthony Bruce, the great-great-grandson of Willa and Charles Bruce, the plaque was the closest his grandfather, Bernard Bruce, could get in his quest for justice. He was very much invested in trying to get the land back for us um, in 2007, he and Mitch Ward were able to get the Bruce's Beach renamed to Bruce's Beach. And he was there at that ceremony. Mitch Ward, no relation to Kavon Ward, was the first African-American elected to the Manhattan Beach City Council. In 2006, he became the city's first black mayor. Bernard Bruce was with Mitch at that ceremony. Bernard died of COVID-19 this year. He was 86. Anthony says that Bernard's mission in life was to get the land back. Renaming the park was a big first step in making sure this history wasn't forgotten. And it wasn't easy. Bernard Bruce had to prove that he was a descendant of Charles and Willa Bruce. And then he had to go through all the genealogy and DNA and just keeping some of the records and stuff like that. We still need to get a lot of those court records in order to you know, prove what happened during that time period. Most of it was like research and just accumulating the ammunition that we need. Anthony says that focus put a strain between Bernard and other members of his family who wanted to move on. He actually knew Charles and Willa. He was very consumed with trying to get the land back. And this kind of put a fracture between him and the relationship of those people around him. You know, because when you're 
fighting that kind of hate, that kind of bigotry, it's hard not to see it in other people. And if they don't show the same kind of veracity that you have toward that, then it does start to make you think that they're not as optimistic or appreciative of your efforts. And so you become kind of like a lone wolf. You're fighting this battle alone. And that's what Bernard did. But outside of Bernard's family, there were others documenting and keeping the history of Bruce's Beach alive. Dr. Allison Rose Jefferson, a historian and author of Living the California Dream, African-American Leisure Sites During the Jim Crow Era, remembers meeting Bernard Bruce. The California African-American Museum had gotten a couple of his photographs that he had loaned them, and I was working on an exhibit at that time. And so then I tracked him down, and it turned out that he didn't live too far from me in Los Angeles. Dr. Allison Rose Jefferson says she first heard about Bruce's Beach while researching her graduate thesis. It included the research of Robert Brigham, a longtime Manhattan Beach resident, an historian who in 1956 sought to tell the real story of Bruce's Beach in his master thesis at Fresno State College. Also involved during this chapter in 2007 was Robert Garcia. He was a longtime environmental justice advocate, an immigrant from Guatemala, he fought for equitable access to beaches and open spaces in California. He died in April 2020. All these people and more laid the cornerstone for the day Kavon Ward would see that plaque more than 12 years later. The plaque started off for me because, you know, when I read the plaque, it was it, it appeared very fluffy and whitewashed, and it, it appeared to be incomplete, as if something was being... Um, Omit it. Coming up, Kavon Ward versus the city of Manhattan Beach in a year of racial reckoning and hard truths. It wasn't just the 2020 Juneteenth picnic that started it all for Kavon Ward. So in August, there was a protest in front of City Hall, um, and, and it culminated into a march down here to the beach. We had um, the support of Black Lives Matter, the, the, um, the local chapter, and then also the international chapter. And um, we burned sage. We, we threw sunflowers in the ocean to pay, pay homage to our ancestors and to pay respect for the dead and, 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 the, and the, lot, the people who were killed by, by the hands of police. Um, so it was a very cultural experience and event and it went off without a hitch. I have to say the last year has been very eye-opening for me, and um, I've seen a lot more of the community that I didn't know existed. Um, so that's kind of been very interesting for me personally. Liz Spear was the community editor for a local news outlet. She has lived in Manhattan Beach since 1995. I was never against Bruce's Beach. It just felt like when you first heard about it, it felt like an assault. For me personally, I started writing about it in a diary, you know, but like it felt like an assault because here you are, you live someplace, you think of it in a certain way, and all of a sudden people are telling you, no, you're racist, or there's this Bruce's Beach thing in your history. Well, it just came hard at you. For Liz Beer, learning more about what happened at Bruce's Beach was a turning point. 
You know, I can speak for me personally as a white person growing up in the South Bay. I've learned a lot just from watching Kavan and the steps forward, you know, and as you learn more of the history and more of the story, you can relate to it as a person. The racial reckoning hit different for Kavan Ward. The public protest she led fueled an online harassment campaign of hate against her. Someone impersonated me uh, and started posting things as if they were me, and it further led people to believe that I was of a certain mindset and that I was a threat. It got so bad, Kavan felt she needed to protect herself. I actually purchased a gun because I felt like I was in danger. I didn't know what these people were capable of doing. In the wake of these events, the city of Manhattan Beach debated whether to issue an apology to the Bruce family. Many in the community urged their elected officials to do so. But those opposed came out in force. You have two minutes for your public comment. This was 100 years ago. I pray my lineage doesn't have to apologize for my wrongdoings of today because there are plenty. I do not see racism in this town. I have multiple neighbors that are all people of color, and they are very, very far more successful than me. Our town has much bigger priorities right now. Coercing an apology out of the city today is not going to rewrite history. I also find it counterproductive and hypocritical that the people who demand an apology and condemn Manhattan Beach's supposed racist past and present are the same people calling other residences racist, white supremacists, and conservative terrorists. In the end, the city council agreed to acknowledge and condemn what happened at Bruce's Beach. But issuing a formal apology, the city council voted no. It was a gut punch for the people behind the movement. For Anthony Bruce, it takes nothing to apologize for something that you've done or something that has been done against you. If somebody's family member dies and you don't know that person, you can say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. And that would simply just kind of bring a little ease to the situation. You know, that's the beginning of that forgiveness. That's the beginning of trying to reconcile the relationship that that was torn apart in such a vicious and violent way. For historian Dr. Allison Rose Jefferson. In the 1920s, they chased the Black people out of the city. That's what they did. And so, yes, there is a through line because of the fact that the city council doesn't want to really acknowledge the fact that the institution and the citizens chase the people out in terms of, you know, an apology at this point in time. That says a lot about you know, the community. The city of Manhattan Beach is now proposing changes to the plaque and agreed to create an art installation to acknowledge the history of Bruce's Beach. As for the actual property, the county of Los Angeles and the state of California have moved forward on transferring this land to the Bruce family, the land where Kavon Ward sits today. My hand will continue to choke pen and force it to bleed until I am deceased or until this country pays me for all they have stolen from me and for the black keloid scars they've left on humanity. Pay me. As we heard previously, in the summer of 2020, my LA Times colleague Rosanna Shaw wrote a front-page story about the saga of Bruce's Beach. Published during the summer of a national reckoning on race, 
The article went worldwide and sparked a new discussion about what, if anything, can be done to right the wrong that the Bruce family suffered nearly a century ago. This past spring, the Manhattan Beach City Council voted to not apologize to the family and added that any restitution was not their responsibility. But Los Angeles County, which owns the two parcels that made up Bruce's Beach, is now seeking to return ownership to the Bruce family. To make that happen, and this is where it gets tricky, the state of California must pass a bill to change the deed restrictions placed on the property. Welcome to The Times, Rosanna. Hey, Gustavo. Earlier this month, the California State Senate passed a bill that would allow L.A. County to deed Bruce's Beach back to the Bruce family. What's the next step? Yeah, this has been quite a story to follow. So the bill, SB 796, just passed the Senate unanimously, and now it has to make its way through all of the assembly. And ultimately, if it gets to his desk, Governor Newsom would have to sign it into law. That step of the process usually happens around September, early October, maybe sooner if he wants to jump on it. But, you know, if this bill passes all of these steps, the county will be able to move forward with the land transfer. But for now, officials at the county are mostly working on the actual mechanics and figuring out how that transfer would actually work once they're allowed to. It passed unanimously then, bipartisan support. Yeah, it's been, um, I haven't seen any significant obstacles or voiced opposition, but it was bipartisan support in the Senate. So we'll see what happens in the Assembly. No opposition in Sacramento. On the other hand, what's been the response by Manhattan Beach officials to what's going on in Sacramento? A lot of folks in Manhattan Beach, when this issue first came to light again last year, were like, We don't even own the actual Bruce property anymore. The county does, so not our problem. But the city is still very much in the spotlight on this. And it's been a lot to follow, right? There have been so many points of debate on this issue in the city over the past year, from disagreement right now over how to revamp the school curriculum to teach this history to the next generation. Ultimately, the city stopped short of issuing a formal apology, which was controversial, and decided instead to acknowledge and condemn, those were the words that they chose, how eminent domain was used in the 1920s to dispossess numerous Black families of their land. I should add that the city council has also made a big show of allocating $350,000 to make an art installation that commemorates Bruce's Beach, and also to change the wording on the current plaque, which has been controversial, to be more direct about what actually happened to the Bruce's 100 years ago. But even agreeing on this new wording has been super contentious and another point of debate in the community currently. So there's there's a lot going on. Or even just put more context, actual context. Isn't the current plaque saying something to the effect that the Bruce family made a beach going possible for all Californians, which essentially erases their, their blackness? Yeah, it's, I mean, I would say that it very much tells the story from kind of a white-centric lens of history You know, the first name listed in the plaque isn't Willa or Charles Bruce. It's George Peck, one of the founders of Manhattan Beach. And it's just, I mean, I would just say go read it and see how you feel about it. And there's a lot going on right now discussing how to even rewrite it. And that was controversial to even get that plaque and that wording on that plaque. Land dispossession, sadly, is uh, part of California history. Native Americans, of course, but also land taken away from Latinos, Asians, African-Americans. Have you, in, in your research, have you come across any other instance like what's happening with Bruce's Beach? In other words, uh, the very government that took away the land gives it back to the family generations later? 
I found a lot of examples of the government taking the land, but uh, not really giving it back. I mean, uh, the Japanese internment by the U.S. government during World War II is a huge example. Dodger Stadium, I encourage everyone to look up the history of what happened to Chavez Ravine. Um, but yeah, I asked that question of like, are there case studies to study to County Supervisor Janice Hahn, who's been leading the charge on the county trying to transfer the land back to the Bruce family, and also to Senator Steve Bradford, who's carrying the bill moving through the state legislature right now. And it really looks like this is all pretty uncharted territory. Finally, though, there were efforts in the past to shine a light on everything that happened with the family, with dispossession, but nowhere near like what's happening now. What does it say about the times that we're in? So what's happening at Bruce's Beach has really pushed this way bigger conversation of restitution, of reparations, uh, of what it really means to right a wrong in this country. And this has forced a very uncomfortable and very emotional debate, not just in Manhattan Beach. We're seeing these tough questions play out across America right now. How, how do you truly acknowledge something like slavery and how our government has used things like eminent domain to systematically prevent certain people from owning land? How do we move forward as a community beyond just building a monument or a pretty plaque? We've been in the monument phase of this reckoning for a very long time. And that's hard, especially when your money is involved, right? But one point we shouldn't lose sight of is this concept of generational wealth. Because of these past injustices, because of what happened in the past, some people in this country were blocked by the government from building wealth and passing it down to their kids and grandkids while other people could. And I'll never forget what Senator Bradford said to me when I asked him what his response was to people today who question why we are on the hook for something that happened more than a century ago. He told me, if you can inherit generational wealth, you can inherit generational debt. That's debt, he told me, that Manhattan Beach owes to the Bruce family. It's debt that California and this nation owes to many more families like the Bruce's. That really resonated with our readers when we published that quote. It, it really speaks to what we're reckoning with across California and the country right now. Thank you again, Rosanna. Thank you. One final thing to say about Kavan Ward. What's next for me, I have been working with a group of women uh, to create a national organization focused on getting black land back. So I've decided to use my powers, my passion to move forward and help families all around the nation. And this weekend, one year since that first Juneteenth picnic, Kavan and others in the community will again meet at Bruce's Beach this time to celebrate and commemorate how far they've come and how much farther they still have to go. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Stephen A. Cuevas, and Denise Guerra. Our executive producer is Abby Fentress Swanson. Our editor is Shawnee Hilton. Our intern is Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. And our theme music is by Andrew Epen. Special thanks to Rosanna Shaw, Monty Morin, Julia Turner, Hector Becerra, and Shelby Grad. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and desmadre. Gracias. <laughs>